Today's reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great uh, to be with you this afternoon. Thank you for giving up uh, your lunch hour uh, to be here. And today we are beginning, as James said, a new sermon series exploring the opening chapter of Luke's Gospel, Luke's biography of Jesus Christ. So over the next few Tuesdays, we'll look at some events and stories that in one way may feel very familiar. We'll encounter figures like Mary hear about angels and surprising births. And yet, these ancient stories might surprise us. There is a kind of strangeness about them that we don't have time to explore fully when we encounter them at Christmas. But we're starting today with just these four first verses. As Luke opens his narrative, his account of Jesus Christ, to explain why he's writing it and why it might be significant for us today. Well, in these uh, verses, Luke states really clearly what his purpose is in writing. Have a look at verse 4. He says that he too decided to write an account for Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke is seeking to give Theophilus certainty. But immediately, there's a problem Because in our cultural moment, at least, certainty is problematic. Over the summer, I don't know if you saw it, but I watched some of Channel 4's adaptation of Margaret Atwood's novel, The Handmaiden's Tale. It's a really interesting story, set in a dystopian America after a revolution that was brought about by a fertility crisis. There are all sorts of things going on in the story. On one level, it's a story about gender politics, about the domination of men over women. It's also a critique, quite a strong critique, of religion. But underpinning all of these things in The Handmaid's Tale is the idea that certainty leads people to exert power over each other. Margaret Atwood made that idea even more explicit in one of her poems in her 1981 anthology called True Stories. There's a poem of the same name which ends with the words, The true story is vicious and multiple and untrue after all. Why do you need it? Don't ever ask for the true story. Now, understood that way, certainty is a view of the world where every question is answered and every doubt is dismissed. Maybe you have been on the receiving end of that kind of certainty. Or maybe you, at some stage, have inflicted it on others. Either way, you'll know that it's not very attractive, and it's not something from which Christians are immune. 
Is that the kind of thing that Luke wants to give Theophilus? I was um, greatly helped with this by a a colleague who uh, pointed out that the word that is translated certainty can also be translated as safety or security. The word carries that range of ideas with it. Luke might almost be saying, Theophilus, the things that you have been taught about Jesus Christ are safe and secure. You can shape your life on them with confidence. Now that kind of assurance doesn't mean that all of our questions might be answered. It doesn't mean that we will be 100% certain all of the time. But it does lead to a confidence that is open to God and open to others. So over the next couple of Tuesdays, I hope that if you're here as someone who has been a Christian for a long time, that like Theophilus, you have been taught the things of the Christian faith already, I hope that you will be stirred to continue shaping your life around Jesus Christ and that you will find a deeper confidence to do so. If that's Luke's aim, he also wants to be clear that he is rooting his narrative in history. He begins with where he has sourced his information about Jesus Christ. He says uh, in verse 1, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Within the first decades after Jesus' life, there was a great deal of information flying around about him. As with any extraordinary figure, you'd expect stories, myths and legends to spring up about them after they have gone. And Luke acknowledges as much in verse 1 that many have undertaken to draw up an account. But he's also really keen to say that that what he is writing up, he has sourced from eyewitness evidence. As he says in verse 2, he has spoken with or heard from people who were close to Jesus. From people who saw him, who touched him, who spoke with him, who listened to him, who laughed and cried with him. His account of Jesus' life has been carefully investigated and written up. So Luke's claim is not that he is simply recording what an early Christian community believed about Jesus. Neither is he simply offering up his own personal reflections about what he thinks Jesus' significance really is. His claim is that he stands within a tradition of people who were concerned to preserve and record what actually took place in a small corner of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. This is a claim of history. A few years ago, the Uh, scientist and broadcaster Adam Rutherford, you may have heard um, his programme on Radio 4, took part in um, a course run by his local church designed to help people explore the Christian faith. He wrote a blog after each session that he went to, I think there were eight or ten sessions, and um, just recorded his reflections about what he'd learnt and heard and how he found it. It made for um, really interesting reading. Rutherford is, I think, still a convinced atheist. 
but he was genuinely interested in why Christians uh, believed as they did. He, he wanted to know why Christianity mattered to people. But his major issue that he came back to time and time again in the blog series was over the question of historicity. As he put it in uh, one blog, would the message of Christianity really change if it turned out that Jesus Christ retired from public life and moved into a bungalow in East Sheen? Why does the story have to be true to carry meaning? Now, there's lots that we might want to uh, say to that, but his objection demonstrated one thing at least. He understood that before anything else, the Christian message is a claim of history, a claim about something that really happened, that really took place 2,000 or so years ago. It might be that you are here today and... um, Perhaps you you wouldn't call yourself uh, a Christian, that you are interested, like Adam Rutherford, in Christian things, but not persuaded uh, by the claims of Christianity. I hope that if if that is you, that if nothing else resonates today, you'll see that this is a claim about something that happened, and because it is, it can be investigated as such. And that is Luke's invitation to you, as it was to Theophilus all those years ago to investigate the person of Jesus Christ as he has. So if you are keen to do that, why not start this week by making some time to read through the rest of Luke's Gospel. See what you make of Jesus Christ. See how convincing Luke's claims about him really are. Yet there is uh, more going on, because a work of history is never simply a bare recital of facts. Luke is honest that he has a purpose in his writing, but he also acknowledges that he has a particular perspective. And he flags that up in two ways in these uh, verses, in two phrases that he uses. At the end of verse 1, he talks about the things that have been fulfilled among us. And in verse 2, mentions people who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now that phrase at the end of uh, verse 1 begins to describe how Luke will interpret the events surrounding Jesus of Nazareth. They are the things that have been fulfilled among us. In other words, the story of Jesus fits into a much wider story. The story of all God's dealings with his people since the beginning of time. And Luke claims that the wider story that you read about through the Old Testament is going to focus in on Jesus Christ. He is the fulfilment of all that God has promised to his people. He will be the focus of God's saving work. So Luke's concern as his story develops will be to show how Jesus does that, how Jesus does fulfill all of God's purposes for his people, for Israel and then for the world. So he isn't just going to tell us everything that he's discovered about Jesus. He's not going to tell us what Jesus' favourite colour was. He's not going to mention his shoe size. He's going to lead us in a certain direction and show us how Jesus is the fulfilment of all that God has promised. Back in the summer, I watched uh, at the cinema Christopher Nolan's film about the evacuation of Dunkirk in the Second World War. One of the issues raised by the film, perhaps unintentionally, uh, was over representation. 
Nolan told the story of the evacuation of the beaches through the eyes of three characters, uh, all of whom were English. There was a Spitfire pilot, uh, a civilian sailor and, a, and an army private. One of the questions raised uh, by the film, about the film in the press was whether it ought to have had greater representation uh, of the French involvement and the way that their soldiers held off the advancing Nazi forces uh, long enough for the British to be evacuated. One uh, radio programme that I listened to even sent a journalist to Dunkirk to interview people as they came out of the cinema, having just seen the film, to ask them uh, what they made of it and whether they thought there should have been a greater French representation too. The whole thing was a reminder that history is always written from a particular perspective. Nolan doesn't say everything that he could have said about the evacuation of the beaches. In the same way, Luke doesn't tell us everything that could be said about Jesus Christ. Now, for some of us, that that might create a worry. If Luke has this particular agenda, can we really trust him? After all, as as modern people, we like to think of the best history as objective, stripped of all sorts of interpretation. We like our historian to have critical distance from the events that are being recorded. Can Luke really be trusted when he and his sources appear to have an agenda. Perhaps the beginning of an answer lies in questioning the assumption that writing with a perspective necessarily means fixing the facts to fit your agenda. Luke is clearly going to be selective. He'll include some things and leave others out according to whether or not they'll help with his purpose and perspective. But given that he has got that aim in mind, historical accuracy is more important, not less, if he wants us to be certain about what he's claiming. It would do his agenda no good at all if his narrative could be contested on historical grounds. If someone could say, actually, Luke, you've got that completely wrong. Jesus didn't ever come to our village. He didn't see that person. He didn't tell that story. If his narrative could be contested like that, his purpose would be completely pointless. So Luke needs to be more historically accurate, not less, if he's going to persuade Theophilus to have certainty about Jesus Christ. So as you go through the Gospel, you'll see Luke going to great lengths to show that his work is a carefully constructed history. He gives us dates and times and places and people to show that his perspective is rooted in history and that what he's telling us can be trusted. Luke's purpose, his process and his perspective. I hope that whatever else is going on in your life at the moment, that you will continue to discover the person of Jesus Christ. And as you do, that you will be persuaded to trust him every day and to live for him in all that you do.